Hello and welcome to Stringer Podcast number 21. Got 21 letters in my name. Not even making that up. 777. 21 letters in my name. So this must be a pretty special podcast, except for the fact that I'm recording the intro without my microphone. I have a special microphone, one that I've just, you know, over the months continually spit on, and I feel guilty giving anyone else, but I can't find it. Dylan, who does all the technical producing uh, for the podcast, does a really great job of keeping things organized, sometimes so organized that a simple brain like mine can't even find it. Mike Valente is on the podcast, at Valente Variety on Twitter, and at Valente Variety on Instagram. Cool dude, in-game host for the Toronto Marlies. Uh, I've known him for a few years now. He's a good buddy of Taylor Schold, that if you listen to the podcast, you know he was on a few weeks ago. And he comes in, talks a little shop, talks a little bit of history, and talks about doing your own thing. But before we get to Mike, as much as I know you want to hear his sweet, sweet voice, up first, the Stringer Big Weekend kicking it off Friday, April 27th. Why not go to the Raptors tailgate party? These tailgate parties have been an absolute phenomenon. I was fortunate enough to shoot stills in the first year in Game 7 against the Nets, and the photos were stunning. The emotion, the community. I remember hearing a Let's Go Raptors chant start seemingly two blocks away, and then like a wildfire, I heard it rush up and surround me. It was uh, definitely a very, very unique experience, and I think you know the fact that we see it all the time on broadcast shows that we got something special going on in Toronto. So if you haven't checked it out yet, you gotta. Plus, you get the added benefit of cheering on a Raps as they look to close out Washington. So why not be a team player? Come on, everyone needs a team player right now. It starts at 7 p.m. outside the ACC in a place we affectionately call Jurassic Park at 15 York Street. Saturday, the 28th, Todd Graham is at the Underground Cafe. 9.30 p.m., 670 Queen Street East, 15 bucks at the door. It's been a while since I've seen a comedy show, and admittedly, I've got a special spot in my heart for Todd Graham. Now, the show, though, comes with a couple notes that all should take heed of before going, so I feel, you know, obliged as your host, as the person recommending this show, to share them with you. Starting it off, warning, Todd Graham may digress. Todd Graham is closer than he appears. Todd Graham has been recommended within reason. Todd Graham is not unfunny. Todd Graham breaks the mold of contemporary stand-ups. Todd Graham is a preferred customer at coffee time. I don't know where he gets that. Tim Horton's all the way, but whatever. Todd Graham does not speak in the third person in person, thank God. Please enjoy Todd Graham responsibly. If that hasn't beat into your head, come meet up with me Saturday night, heading to the Underground Cafe, 670 Queen Street East at 9.30 p.m. And Sunday, Bad Fish, a tribute to Sublime. Here's a story for you. I got into Sublime when I was, uh, I think, about 16 because of a girl. Go figure. There was a girl in around the Ottawa area. She listened to them on repeat on her Panasonic Discman, Annie Skip, obviously. And so what I do, you know it, listen to Sublime on repeat and learned all the words. So if you want to relive my teenage years, I encourage you to go to seatgiant.ca and get your very own teleportation tickets to allow you to listen to Badfish, a tribute to Sublime. And guess what? If you use promo code STRINGER, you'll get an extra discount on those sweet Santeria tickets. If you hate Sublime or just don't like the idea of a tribute show, after I finished scolding you in public, wherever you might be, you can use SeatGiant for just about any event you want to attend in Toronto or anywhere else you might be traveling to. Go see sporting events, concerts, festivals, and receive a discount on all of it just by using promo code STRINGER. Pretty sweet deal. Please remember that if you have an event coming up, anything you want promoted, hit us up on Twitter at Stringer Podcast or email us podcast at the stringers at stringers with a Z dot com and we will feature it on the intro. And if you don't like your ideas, stick it. I mean, no, well, that's cool. You can just use seatgiant.ca and use promo code STRINGER to save a few bucks on all of Toronto's events, whether we pump it on the podcast or not. Mike Valente, Number 21 of the podcast heading your way. But first, if you've listened to us before, you know there's only one thing left to do. And that's for Dylan to hit the, first of all, find my microphone and then hit the button and cue the sax. No, I'm good. I just dressed up for you, Clay. Mm. 
My goodness. I don't even dress up. I I'm like, my aim every single day is to wear not what I wore yesterday. That's a good it's, goal. It's to, to wear something different. <laughs> Because it's so easy just to like look over at the pile and be like, no, 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 that kind of went together. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to put it on. Yeah. So, welcome. I appreciate you not only just making the time, but also putting up with the fact that everything is in a certain state of disarray. You walk in, you're dealing with server issues, and then there's equipment strewn all over the main room which is a bit of a pet peeve of mine this place looks great honestly <laughs> honestly i am calling it the stringer lounge you're, you're too kind this oh right trademark. you like that don't you oh we have to invite people back to the stringer well, lounge. i saw like celebrities out there we should definitely have the stringer lounge i can see it now mm-hmm and we have athletes come through. Of course. And it's a comfy couch yep. and like a good vibe and the lighting's just right. And you interview them mm-hmm. on the comfortable couch. Wouldn't that be nice? For like five to seven minutes. Yes. We've seen iterations of that at the draft. Have yeah. You, like kinda. different NHL drafts. I'm yeah. thinking NHL at least. I think NBA as well where they have like a social lounge. Yes. And I'm doing air quotes <laughs> and no one can see me but Mike. They have a social lounge which you kind of come in and it's like Snapchat and IG enabled and yeah. like sign your name on the screen and it shows up with your photo. That's what we're going to establish here. It's going to be the Stringer Lounge featuring Mike Valenti. Mike Valenti's on the podcast, everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much, Clay, for having me. I'm so glad uh, the restraining order has been lifted. What has it been, like five years since I've seen you? Oh, now I'm trying to put it together. <laughs> we have a mutual friend, Taylor Schold. That's right. What a guy. Taylor's such a good guy. He is a great I guy. I have, like, such a big heart for people. No, I don't have a big heart. That's the wrong phrase. <laughs> I have such, like, a big space in my heart yeah. for people who make it their aim to connect other people. Yes. And build a community and make sure we're all, like, together and being friendly and helping each other. And that's what he does so well. He does. And he's been doing it for a long time. Like, he started the Schold Media Group in 2011. Holy I do sense. a lot of stuff with him now, too, with some video content. We started a video series. But yeah, his his goal has always been to, hey, how can we help people right. navigate our way through this crazy industry that we work in? And how can we just make a community out of it? Because yeah. so often things are so competitive, right? And, and I think we all have a competitive streak in us. I think so. Many of us come from an athletic background and it's kind of there, but it's also just, you know, I think it takes a certain kind of person to want to be on camera and holding a microphone yeah. in front and center. Those guys are terrible. <laughs> what jerks. <laughs> and that same kind of person generally wants to be the one on camera holding the microphone, not the one waiting for his turn to be on camera. So in what's usually such a competitive atmosphere, it's great when we can kind of just all meet and do what we love most, and that's generally having a pint. Let's be, <laughs> yes, let's exactly. be honest. Having a beer. I learned from some of the C- CBC folk when I was just getting into hockey mm-hmm. and just starting uh, my short-lived career on air. It was like playoff time, and they roll out of the studio at whatever it was, 1.30 a.m., mm-hmm. and, and we'd have a quick half hour yes. to, to grab a beer or if you're super skilled, if you're a wily veteran, yes. you know, they could do four in half an hour. I, I've been there myself with some of these CBC <laughs> people you're referring to. <laughs> and and whether it's knowing the bartender and having it all prepared for them when they get there, or if it's just straight up saying, no, I want four of these, yeah. and then subsequently finishing them in the next 30 minutes, I was impressed. But as I said, my, my career was pretty short-lived. Well, it always amazed me that some of the on-air talent would like literally call the bar and order the beers so that they were ready. That, to me, was fascinating. I was like, wow, that's, that's power. That reminds me of Cheers or like yeah. anything like Cheers. Like you can even liken if you want to friends at the oh Central Park. There we yeah, go. There I go. got it. You got it. But I, I just I want a spot that I could call. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I want to nice. know someone so well mm-hmm. where we're not actually friend well, we're friendly. Yeah. But we have like a working relationship a that good they're rapport. the bartender. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I'm the customer. Yes. And I call them up and they're like, Oh, you again? We know what you want. And I'm like, <laughs> I'll be there. 
and I roll in, and that's how I imagine the rest of my 30s going. Like, it's, wow. it's striving for that kind of perfection. So you have big goals, Clay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if we uh, if we boil it all down, it's uh-huh. really about building relationships I think here. So. And, uh, you know, bringing people together. That's what it is. You're not wrong. I'm spinning bullshit pretty hard. <laughs> Effortlessly, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I try. You mentioned the video series with SMG. Yes. Um, I loved the one with actually Megan Robinson, yes. who was on the podcast recently. Mm-hmm. And I've known Megan for a very long time. And that's when it, it clicked. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have good friends in media, too, that I can reach out to and bring on the podcast. I was like, why haven't I thought of Megan? That was inspired by your oh, video. Oh, there you go. Um, Kat Stefankovic as well. Kat can't, and I, can't say enough about her. She's such a delight, yes. isn't she? And she is. She, uh, huge heart, just warm personality. Yeah. And I don't want to list her resume for her, (laughs) but she has a very diverse background in both, you know, hosting and acting and television. And I remember when we became friends being amazed, like, wow, she wants to talk to me. Yeah. (laughs) She includes me in the conversation. And of course she does. It's ridiculous to say not. During that interview, I actually told her this story. Because and it was completely genuine. So I was living in Winnipeg for a couple of years as a sports reporter, and I came home for Christmas to see my family, as one does. And I hadn't been to a Raptors game in a very long time. I, I knew of Cat, but didn't really uh, hadn't experienced her on air hosting for the Raptors. And as uh, one does as an in arena host, uh, there's games that are being played during uh, the timeouts and on the court. And this guy had no idea what he was doing during one of the games. He was a contestant, right? But she handled it so flawlessly that it actually caught my eye. Like it was just like I was transfixed. I'm like, wow, she handled that perfectly. It was almost like nothing went wrong because she handled it so well. And just she's a super impressive presenter. Every word that she says hits. And that's the goal, I think, for an on-air person, right? Every word you want to connect to the viewer. And I think she does it perfectly. And her personality comes through. Like, yeah. I, I think of this when I watch television and I watch, what, say it's The Walking Dead or whatever. And somewhere in my mind, I'm like, that person's really like that character. Mm-hmm. Like, I think of Norman Reedus. Uh, and Walking Dead, I'm like, no, no, he definitely probably carries a crossbow with him everywhere. And then I have to check myself and be like, no, he's just really good at his job. Right. That I actually believe that's who he is. And and, and Kat handles things so well where a piece of her personality comes through, mm-hmm. where we all go through all sorts of things in life, right? We have ups and we have downs and whatever. But she is always at this level where I'm like, oh, no, she's just perfect all the time. Like, her life is just great. She handles it amazing all the time. What I find interesting about those games, and you'll know this probably with your work with the Marlies, I never appreciated this. I was years in MLSE before I actually understood that they're on, like, a ticking clock. Yeah. That you have to wrap up by a certain time, or else there's, like, very large penalties that come from the league. Mm -hmm. And so when you get something like you described, where... Yeah, you're trying to guide someone and help someone through. But at the same time, you know, you only have like 45 more seconds to get this done. Totally. You got to keep it running smoothly. To do that calmly. Smoothly and swiftly, for sure. Yeah. Well, think about it. Like as a fan, you're not really paying attention to this, right? But if we're playing a game with some contestant during a TV timeout, that's two minutes. You got two minutes to execute this game. Hopefully they win. Hopefully it's entertaining. But you're right. You got to keep it moving because if they if they delay, if they take too much time and the puck drops, that's not ideal. You're in trouble. So Winnipeg. Yes. Uh, I've been to Winnipeg once. And? Um, whiskey dicks. <laughs> oh, that's that's not a thing anymore, but that was very popular. It's, it's gone? Yeah, it's... Uh, what is it now? Oh, it's no. something else. That's that's a very big thing in Winnipeg. A lot of turnover uh, with uh, oh, that's certain such a shame. establishments. Because I love this place. I was, first of all, funny enough, tipped off by Kat and her old roommate, Amberly to go oh, yes. to this place. I was there for like three days visiting a friend, and uh, they are like, oh, there's a bar you gotta check out. It was called Whiskey Dicks, and... Yes, it's as awesome as it sounds, and it's pretty much, it was pretty much as country as it sounds, but it had like multi-level yes. decks, like yeah. like like hardwood decks around it, yeah. and then it had multi-levels inside the building, which was gigantic as well, 
And so you could have like five different types of music going on mm-hmm. as you kind of wander from spot to spot to spot. Yeah. And that's exactly how my night went. I like aimlessly wandered with this group of friends and then you, we eventually all lose each other and then magically meet up by like the tree near the hip hop DJ or yeah. whatever. Just based on your description, that kind of reminded me of the Madison house here in Toronto. Different yes. levels, right? It's exactly like the Mary. very popular university spot, right? <laughs> it's different just, music in different just university. I, I don't know why. Do you oh. still go there? Were you there on Friday? <laughs> <laughs> it was Thursday, but uh, <laughs> pub night. <laughs> it wasn't until I was probably in my, I don't know, mid to late twenties. I was like twenty six, twenty seven, when someone's like, "You know, that's university spot, right?" You became that guy, and I was like, oh, "That's exactly what I thought." I'm like, "Oh, I'm that guy now." Yeah. But you were probably just going for a pint. You were raging. Uh, No, I was not raging. I just, I appreciated how eclectic it was. Yes. I'll put it that way. And, you know, it was kind of near where I was working at the time, so it kind of worked out. Uh, Yeah, but the Madison House, that was probably, I think I spent, so my 20, I think it was 26th birthday, Mm -hmm. we did, it lined up really, really well. Because when I started in hockey and I started with, you know, the Maple Leafs and the Marlies organization, we were in a time where around, you know, early to mid-April, we would be wrapping up. Yes. That, yes. that would be the end of our broadcast year. And so we'd have our end of year party, you know, where everyone kind of gets together. And I was both on Leafs and Marley's side. So we had two end of year parties. And my birthday is also right around this time. So it just was this really big birthday week for me. And it was, you know, one of the nights at the Mad- one of our rap parties was at the Madison. Oh, perfect. And, and I will very clearly remember that night for not being able to remember it at all. <laughs> But I think that was the yes. last time. And then I was told, you're like, oh, you're at the Madison? And then that's when the whole story ensued. Gotcha. And, and, and yeah. I can't do that anymore. No. <laughs> it's funny how that happens. Do you have favorite? You must have favorite spots of the city. Yeah. I think uh, my friends and I like usually go close to Union, which I like to okay. get away from, right? Because it's near like the subway and the GO train yeah. for people who have to travel north. But I like going out into the dif- different neighborhoods because as we all know, Toronto has like a thousand different neighborhoods. Completely. It's wonderful. Uh, speaking of birthdays, like my birthday this past December, we went to Folly, which is a, a brew pub at like College and Dover Court. No way. So I'm going like, to have to check it out. out I've there. never been there. It's not even a bit out there. It's just not central. No. And I like yeah, getting out to different places like that, right? So, yeah, that, so that one comes to little mind. brew houses. Yes. Brew. Yeah. I was out with uh, a buddy, Alex Anthony. We've done some work together. And we were both talking about how we're so over the idea of clubbing. Yes. Like, like oh we're like, oh, I could not. I would not be better off if I never stepped foot in a club ever again. I agree. And we kind of laughed that we're getting old. Like, we're yeah. like, oh, yeah, definitely our, our childhood's behind us. Because, you know, for me, Alex is, you know, he's got a great girlfriend, you know, doing big things. Mm-hmm. But I'm still single. And I think in my head, I haven't left like 24 Right. So then when it kind of hits you and it's like, no, I don't want to. I kind of want to sit in a pub and watch a game and have a couple pints reasonably and go home and sleep and wake up with a hangover that that you start realizing the age we're at. No, not you, Mike. You're young. You're you're spry. I'm 30. No, yeah, you're great. Okay. You're you're great. (laughs) You've got all your best years ahead of you. I can kind of connect to what you're saying there, though, because I'm still single myself And I've noticed, especially since I returned from Winnipeg, which was about a year ago, that since I've been back, you know, a lot of people have girlfriends and boyfriends and are married and having kids. So the the going out uh, percentage among my group of friends has been lowered (laughs) and I don't care for that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I... Uh, yes, I'm single. I don't want to go clubbing either. No, no but I still like hard. to have a good time, and yeah. I still think that even if you're married and you have kids, uh, kids is different. Right, I, I should mention that obviously. But even if you're in a relationship, you can still go out with your friends. I, I would hope. You so. You know what I mean? Like that's it's a little sad to me when we people... need to start a club. I think. <laughs> yeah, you know? Well, the Stringer Lounge. <laughs> it's the Stringer Lounge, <laughs> and we're gonna serve 
Beer. That's yes, what we're going to do. Open bar. It's, it's probably just going to be the two of us. Yes. <laughs> we'll get some veggie trays and some fruit platters. Uh, I, I, I would ask for some cheese, but nothing too strong because right. it upsets my sensitive digestive tract. Yes. By the way, I just need to thank you for having me on the show uh, and also pushing back this interview about a week because last week we were supposed to record this and I got sick. On and my I, and birthday. On your birthday, too. On my How bu- you are disrespectful. My birthday. Yes. Oh, my Mike. goodness. And, and I've you come actually handed. You saved me. Oh, did because I? we were in the stinking weeds with a project. Okay, and I was like, "Oh, how am I going to get through this?" Okay, and then and then Dylan, who uh, produces everything, and it's not in on our interview to, or our chat today. He let me know that you were ill, and I'd never want to cheer for someone being sick. No, you didn't mind. I was very thankful. Yeah, okay. that it bought me an extra yeah. hour of my day to try and stress over yeah. something else. Oh, I'm really glad you're here for sure. And I, I want to make it clear, I wasn't on my deathbed, but I lost my <laughs> voice. Oh, and no. I don't know if you're aware, Clay, but with podcasts, you need audio. <laughs> we, so I couldn't provide that for you. I think we should do the first ever American Sign Language podcast. <laughs> We'd be speechless. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be an hour of just but yeah, room tone. I was uh, very much on Buckley's medication. I was just downing it over and over. So oh. thank you for having me in. I, but, uh, here, actually, I wanted to chat about this because if you have friends having kids, I have several friends having kids. Mm-hmm. What is the appropriate etiquette for liking the photos of kids? Mm. How many do you have to like a week? Because we all, they post several. Yes. How many kid photos do you have to like a week from anyone? Are we talking Instagram, Facebook? What are we talking here? Let's stick in the Instagram. Instagram, yes. Where they're flooding you with baby picture (laughs) after baby picture. What are we required as single men that we're friends? What are we required to like? Honestly, um, I know everyone has their, uh, their ways of liking photos and what criteria they have to meet. For me, it's... If you're a good friend of mine, I'm most likely going to like it. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? You're a way better human than I am. No, but I don't know if it is that. It's just everyone has their preferences. Like, people will message me when I post something and say, hey, that was great. But then they wouldn't, they didn't like it online. Oh, that's interesting. But I'm trying to get away from taking that personally because really... How am I supposed to mic up my brand (laughs) if my friends are messaging me and not double tapping my photo? But see, this is something I'm going through in the last year or so. As people in the media, as people in uh, media production and broadcasting, we do have to have a pretty nice following on the social media and have uh, up our game as much as we can, right? But I struggle with that because I don't like being on it that much. You know what I mean? And it's, you have to find that balance of, okay, I need to make my presence known Mm -hmm. and get my brand out there. But at the same time, I do want to get off my phone. You know, you, you, you're hearing people say that more now, get off your phone, enjoy life again, Mm -hmm. have a conversation like we're doing now, even if it's not being recorded, you know, like just have a real conversation (laughs) with someone. What are you trying to say here, Mike? Yeah. Well, (laughs) more often than not, you'll walk into a room now with a group of people and they're all staring down at their phone. And I'm not trying to sound like a 90 year old grandfather here, but it's true. I'm trying to get put off. the phone down yeah. and actually enjoy life so i uh first of all i think the correct answer is once a week once a but, week sorry but, for the, well, the well, baby photos week. okay um but on the social media front so i had just gotten into the media industry when twitter became a thing right and i was fortunate enough one thing that's good is i got to pick whatever handle i wanted that's and true. along with a lot of my colleagues at the time yeah. we didn't have no underscores and no numbers and no fancy anything we just got to write our name in and then it accepted because no like relatively no one was on it yet so in the first couple first let's say year 18 months it was whoever we wanted to be Mm -hmm. because in a sense i was part of a group of i felt at least pioneers let's say pioneers in this city or in Canada or in sports in this city or something. But I was part, I I felt like, you know, my colleagues and I, we were early in, so we got to do whatever we wanted. And then experts, air quotes again, experts came in and started telling us what we should be. And then it became very much like a news timeline. And there was like, I remember the rule of threes, like every day you should have like a reply, a retweet, and an original tweet in groups of three like that. And that should be the balance. And I remember being taught, like Hmm. instructed this by an outside person who came in. 
and we're like, okay, these are the rules. You got to do rules of three. And, and we kind of felt that was weird because we kind of developed something, but we go heavy news, let's say, and information, 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 information. And then we were told, no, 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 personality has to come back. And so then it swaps back that way. And it's this weird balance where you ride a line and every once in a while you get your hand slapped because you're trying to be both informative and engaging. I had had someone actually that works alongside me says, if you're really good, especially on the brand side at social media, you're towing a line of almost being fired Hmm. because that's kind of, you want to be edgy. You want to be at the forefront. You want to cut through the noise. Right. But at the same time, you can't say something wrong. And I joked with the Houston, remember the Houston Rockets tweet? Like, did you ever see that? It was a horse head and a gun. So they were, I guess they were in a playoff series and it looked like it was going one way. And, and so they just put up a horse head and a gun emoji. And to be fair, it was really funny, but right away a lot, we were like, Oh no, that guy, that guy's in for it. And sure enough, he lost his job like the next day and Hmm. there's a formal apology, but it was also kind of edgy and kind of funny and it got a lot of response. Right. It's walking that line. Yeah. And anyway, Long story long, I then moved behind the camera to where I don't have to be on social media anymore, and I've lost. I don't want. I don't want to be on it. Right. And then you feel. And this is what I was getting at to relate to what you had said. It's like I feel part of me has to be on it, but then I don't want to be on it. Right. How do you negotiate? How do you force yourself to do something that? Right. You know, is now kind of weird and foreign and and not second nature. I think the average person is constantly refreshing Instagram, like, how many times a day? Like, every 10 minutes sometimes. I bet you they have a stat for that. Yeah. I'd love to see that. How many refreshes there are per user per day? I think it would be a big challenge for people to go on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter once a day for, say, 10, 15 minutes scrolling. I think that would be a big challenge. I think it's, it's almost every hour someone's checking. Social media diet. That's what Mike yes, is calling for. That's right. Yes. That's what I'm here for. A, a social media. Di- <laughs> it's, and but then, it's also quite useful, obviously. I'm not like saying it's terrible all the time, but it, you need to find that balance, I find. Do you use Twitter so much for news now, do you find? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Like, yeah. I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I, I follow, you know, uh, legitimate news organizations and, and get the news that way. But I'm also doing my own research yeah. as well, right? If if you want to get the I've gone stuff. the app way. The app way? Yeah, I yeah. really, and that's one thing, and that's why I brought it up, is because oh, okay. I noticed that where I was maybe three, four, five years ago, that was like all my news came through Twitter. Right. Now it's kind of, I have like my, my sports app that I trust. Right. And then I have like two news apps that I trust and that's it. That's how I take in all my, my news information. Right. Not so much on Twitter anymore, um, which is just a weird, neat evolution of mm-hmm. where this is all headed. Yeah. And I think it really proves that no one really knows where it's going. Right. And and there's obviously a lot of bias out there from different organizations. So I think the fact that you want to spread out, you want multiple sources uh, of news. This just in, Mike Valenti likes blue shirts. That's blue, true. Blue, blue shirts, everyone. Color. Yeah. It might be a bias. You might also like other people in blue shirts. <laughs> I do. I think blue is a nice ticket color. item. What's your favorite color? Blue. Sh- Ooh. I oh I have a problem with this one. Really? Because it seems very basic. If I say red, <laughs> everyone paints me as a psycho. Why? I because say it's that. like high energy. Oh. crazy! I think I'm gonna pick red because okay. my pop filter right now is red. Sure. What's your favorite color? Blue, probably. Blue, but red uh, I think would be second. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I think. Blue and green kind of fit in the same emotional space for me. Sure. Like they're yeah. both kind of calming and tranquil. Yes. And, 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 and I really dig them. I don't know, but it has to be like a really good ocean green. This is <laughs> new podcast alert. This is what we're going to do now. We're just going to sit together once a week and come up with new podcast ideas sure. and then spend the rest of the week trying to hawk them off on people yeah. to pay money on it. This is for guys that don't understand paint colors. You know, it, it, it's for the guy that, that only sees prime colors and when his significant other is trying to paint the living room and she says, do you want uh, eggshell foam or do you want uh, turquoise bath mat? You know, we can kind of break it down for him. 
Is it weird that I kind of threw up in my mouth a little bit when you said turquoise <laughs> bath mat? I was stretching. But yeah. I would be shocked if there wasn't a color out oh, there yeah. called I'm turquoise sure. bath mat. I'm sure it is. It's got to be something. But yes, it's by the men for the men. It's color breakdown. <laughs> Mike, I think we got something here. Break the color barrier. <laughs> we yeah. break the color barrier. Yeah. It's 2018. True. It's time to put our differences yeah. aside. That's right. And uh, I don't see color. Let's be honest. It's a very Stephen Colbert line from his old show. Uh, big, did you bring up Stephen Colbert? We yeah. were talking before we got started. Big TV guy? I am a big TV guy. What? Big late night TV guy. Oh. Love a good uh, drama series, comedy series. I'm all over it. I, I watch a lot of stuff. So what's, what's kind of hot ticket right now? Uh, late night is, well, it kind of goes to what we were talking about before too. Like obviously, uh, the guy in the white house right now takes up most of the news and he that does, can get very he? tiring, yeah. at least for me, I think most people. So it's even hard to laugh at that sometimes as much as Stephen Colbert, I think is a genius and Seth Meyers does a great job. Everyone does a great job, but it's, it's every night they're talking about the same thing. So that can be a bit tiring. Um, this is uh, probably not what you were expecting, but the series I'm watching right now is the Larry Sanders show. Oh, I love Larry Sanders show. Yes, I had 100%. never seen it. Uh, Gary Shandling passed away, what, two years ago yeah. now? Uh, Judd Apatow just released his documentary about it. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have seen it. I, I, I was actually awaiting it. I knew the yeah. whole time it's in production. Right. And, and, and because Judd was releasing like bits on yes. social media right. back to this of, course. Uh, of, of who was going to be part of it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I watched it a couple weeks ago. It's a two-part series if, you, if people listening right now haven't seen it. Four hours long, but it was one of the best things I've ever seen. Now, before I saw this documentary, I didn't really know much about Gary Shandling. Not my generation... Uh, always knew of him, knew he was a comedian, knew he was quite peculiar. And then I watched this and it's it's not only his life story, but his career story. And I just thought it was so brilliantly produced. I mean, how many people did they get in to talk about Gary's life and their friendship with him? And everyone, yeah, every, how many he influenced, influenced, influenced touched, like, yes, mentored, and inspired in, yeah. in one way or another yeah. is unbelievable when you realize the ripples that someone has yeah. on a, com again, community for sure. Uh, and, and how they affect everyone. Yeah. So I've been on a binge of Larry Sanders. I think I'm in season three right now, uh, but also like binge watching all this stuff on YouTube, all his interviews on talk shows and stuff. And what I've really garnered from his life and his career is just, this man was very thoughtful and Yes, he was really funny, but he was also very insecure and he was very kind of obsessed with how he came off with other people, which I think is all these qualities we can all relate to, right? But he's really made me think. I saw some interview with him uh, on kind of like a talk show panel. I can't remember what the show was called, but he was, he was on with Ray Romano. And, you know, it was a lot of talk about comedy, but there was a moment towards the end of this particular talk show where he got a bit deep and he said... As people, we need to get away from ego. We need to get away from want, want, want and competing with everybody. Can't we just do things with heart? Can't we just support one another and kind of get away from the want side and just appreciate and be grateful for what you have, have, have? And I just thought it was so touching. So he's kind of, uh, I, I tend to have an obsessive personality when I like something, I really like it. Uh, and Gary Shandling has really inspired me since this documentary came out and, um, you know, more to the point of, of social media and being constantly connected, like get away. Like he became very Zen uh, later in his career and, and in his life. He became a Buddhist. He was just he removed himself kind of from that show business bubble. And you got to respect that because he was very much in that bubble for many years. And it's hard to probably take yourself out of that. And prominent in that bubble. And totally. I think what happens is uh, for a lot of humans, like it's a human thing, a little bit of success mm -hmm. goes very quickly to the head. Totally. And and it becomes a drug and you just want to keep feeding that. Right? Very addictive. And, 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 and success to a certain level especially when it's inwardly determined is a good thing. But when you allow success to be determined by the people you're around, uh, it can be a very dangerous thing. Yes. And, and, and much to that point, you, you just keep feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. Mm -hmm. And you can go Hollywood, like you can put a bubble over that and say, oh, it just happens there. But you see it all like in different iterations in different walks of life. And, and that's because as dissimilar as we might seem, we're all very similar. And that's what... I loved about Judd's approach on the documentary, but 
truly honest approaches that, that anyone takes when they drop the ego. I have really in the last, let's say, year um, started following writers that I admire, like script, mainly script writers that I admire, as well as a handful of comedians, because I've seen a rawness there where I, in a way, relate. I relate. When you say you're, you're obsessive, I'm like, I am totally obsessive. Yeah. Like I kind of, I don't want to just jump into something. I want to drown myself in something right. and be consumed and surrounded by it. But at the same time, I believe there's levels when you throw yourself into something so like a job or a career change and you surround yourself by it, that's also, I think, an indicator of a lot of insecurity in it because you need everything that your brain touches to be in that circle, especially, as I said, when it's a career change. Um, I'm totally talking. This is my couch. This is my couch no, session. So I if you don't mind, going. I'm going to yeah. pay you. I'm going to pay you at the end of this. <laughs> wow. Just let me know what your rate is. Fantastic. I'm going to lay it on the green couch over here yeah. and just express myself. No, and I say this because six years ago, I went from on camera to directing and producing. And then in the last five months, I went from being part of a very large sports organization to opening up my own production office. And that is the same career but what happens is you're outside of your comfort zone. And for me, when I'm outside of my comfort zone, I have to consume myself in whatever the new thing is so that I feel like at some point I'll fit in. Right. Right. I'll be like, routine. Yeah if, yeah. if I think about it all the time and if I never let go of it and if I if I read about it and listen about it and watch about it and work on it and and if my whole day is tied up in it then maybe eventually I'll get to the point where I fit in. Right. Right. In this, in this new area. And so going back to Judd Apatow or Gary Shandling documentary or his life or, or any of the people like, um, a big one for me, the way you spoke about Gary Shandling is how I felt in the last, let's say year, year and a half about, uh, I can't believe Chris Hardwick. Oh, who's a yeah. nerdist founder right. and comedian as well that I, I feel this rawness in someone mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, I can relate there that we're not all as perfect as Kat Stefankovic. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> Call back to earlier in the episode, <laughs> yeah. right? That we're not always as polished no. as people might think we are. Right. That and we, we don't have, have this, to be. We exactly. You yeah. don't have to be. We don't have to always be on except you. Well, let's be honest. You dressed up for a podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. No one told you. There's no cameras here. I just bought these pants. I think they look fantastic. They are awesome. And I like your socks too. Thank you. I'm a big fan of socks. It's a nice, is it a gray and maroon? Um, I don't know. We're going to call it wine. We're going to call it wine because this is colors from men by men, by men for men, whatever we're going to call the podcast. (laughs) Yes. Painting by color. Oh, painting by color. Oh my God. The tickets by are men printing as men. they speak. Yeah. <laughs> we can do live podcasts yeah. where we paint on little canvases and we yeah. say, see guys, this is what turquoise bath bath looks like. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so Westworld, were you a Westworld fan? I've, first se- season? I, I've seen about five episodes. It's been a bit uh, slow for me. A bit slow. That's fair. But uh, not, not bad. Westworld's a big one for me. What else has been... TV is like, it's so hard at the moment because it seems like there's so, with all the platforms we now have to watch it on, like I might be missing a, a series on Crave TV right. because it's only over there. And, there's a lot of stuff. But Netflix, Lost in Space, Netflix just released a new Lost in Space series cool. that a couple friends have uh, have said that it's pretty decent. And I actually was telling one the other day that it's a, a, a callback to like a 60s or 50s show. Oh, cool. The old Lost in Space. Yeah. And then there was Matt LeBlanc was in a movie called Lost in Space. Going back to Friends again, yeah. maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Nice. Um, so I'm excited for that one. Have you ever seen Matt LeBlanc series episodes? Ooh, I haven't. He plays himself okay. like an actor after a big series. <laughs> it's actually very funny. <laughs> He's not straying too far from the no, path there. No, it's like, yeah, it works for him. But yeah, it's been on for like five seasons or something. But uh, he had a spinoff, didn't he, Joey? Yes. And I don't think that worked out. I'd, well, yeah. Seeing as though he's now, can you imagine doing episodes? Imagine they were in like season ten of Joey right now. <laughs> <laughs> just really took off. Everyone to know where his acting career went. <laughs> I was really after that massive part as a doctor. Yeah. I want to know where 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 Joey ended up 
going. No, yeah, yeah I don't think it did too Check well. out episodes. It's episodes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He plays kind of like a jerkish version version of himself. Or maybe he's like that in real life. Who knows? He doesn't <laughs> seem that way. He seems like a nice guy. But yeah, essentially the, the premise is these um, British producers made this amazing show like The Office. Now they want to bring it to the United States and right. they cast Matt LeBlanc as the lead in their their British yeah. um, takeoff of the of their series. So it's good. Interesting. Yeah. Um, do you ever see, I think it was called Studio 60? Yes, I love that show. So, so obviously the connection there for me was his Matthew Perry. Yes, that's right. right. That, that, yeah. that was one of the leads in that. It only lasted one, one season, season. He, which blows me away i know because i love that show so much and i've watched it more than once more of a drama version but kind of like larry sanders like behind the scenes of a saturday night live type of show so that is an aaron sorkin creation yes which is interesting because he has three under his belt he did oh there's a sports one was it sports night sports night yeah it was was sports night and it lasted at least three seasons, okay. I think. Yep. And then he went on to do Studio 60, right. which was unbelievable and should have lasted a lot longer. Yeah. Then the newsroom. And then the newsroom, yeah. which I think is my favorite television show of all time. Wow. That yeah. was re- it was really well done. It, yeah. uh, I just... But it was interesting, his, his desire to peel back the layers of something we all view regularly. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, for sure. He obviously was on to something yeah. because he wanted to do it over and over and over again and he was interested in it. Right. It's funny how TV works too. Like when Studio 60 debuted, so did 30 Rock. And a lot of people were saying at the time oh, that realize. Studio 60 was going to be the successful show and 30 Rock would fail and it was the opposite. Tina Fey. Tina Fey. Yeah, the power Don't bet against her. No, yeah. I wouldn't bet against yeah. her. And it's interesting that they went that way because it's funny that in a late night setting that they felt a drama... Right when portraying behind the scenes of a yeah. uh, of that kind of thing, that everyone said no, the drama is going to work and the comedy is not. I know, right? Yeah, it was interesting, especially when Tina Fey had all of yeah. Dirty Rock behind her. Yeah, uh, and Sarah Paulson came from that show. She was in that show. Sarah Paulson's from uh, the, remember the OJ show? Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> the OJ show. Uh, she's been in. Uh, what else? Is she's been in a bunch of stuff yeah. in the last few years. She's her oh. career's really taken off. And the guy from the West Wing was in it. I'm great with names, as you can see. <laughs> oh, him, the guy from the place. Yeah, and the person, the the face and the nose, and and the face yeah. exactly yeah. two eyes. Dylan actually showed me. I have to send you this after. There's a mashup, a supercut. Of Aaron Sorkin written things where people yell Belgium, right? The the big one is a newsroom that most people remember is the the first episode, the first ten minutes, right? When he goes on that rant, yes, uh, he's at some kind of speaker panel. Yeah, the Will yeah. McAvoy character, yeah, uh, goes on a rant on how America could be better, right? And, and 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 he kind of attacks one of the people on the panel because they said one of the reasons why America is great is because it has freedom. Yes. And he lists a whole whack of countries that right. has freedom. And one of them, he says, Belgium is freedom. Oh. And <laughs> apparently yelling Belgium is like a Sorkinish thing because you can go through a whole whack of his stuff that he's created and people yelling. But I'm going to I'm going to post this sure. on our Instagram so yeah. everyone can know I'm not crazy. <laughs> I believe you. But he totally, like, it's his thing to yell Belgium, right. which is pretty funny. I would love, like, a little Easter egg like that and everything that I did. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was a, a very famous scene from that show. So I didn't get into it until I think it was, they were midway through the second season airing okay. it. Gotcha. And someone was like, oh, you, you need to watch the show. I think it's right up your alley. Mm-hmm. And they said, all you have to do is watch the first 10 minutes of the first episode. Yeah. And you'll know there. You'll be hooked. And well, yeah, you'll yeah. know. You'll yeah. know if yeah. you're going to like this because it's very wordy, right? Right, Which is also very Aaron Sorkin. Mm. But if you like it after the first 10 minutes, you're going to like the series. For sure. And it had me hooked. And yeah, it ranks right up, if not the best for me. Wow. TV. Yeah, there you I go. Know. Yeah, that's great. Top shelf. Totally. So I, I want to let you, you're going into the playoffs and oh, here yeah. I am talking about Westworld. <laughs> And the West Wing. It's all good. And everything Let's talk about else anything you want. West yeah. of here. <laughs> Winnipeg's West. Yes. Um, they're the gateway to the West. That's what we call them. Are they really? Yeah. Would we say that? The Forks? 
The Forks, the yes. Forks that's is a big the gateway thing. to the, the Forks West. market. Yeah. What were yep. you doing in Winnipeg? I was a I'm sports curious. reporter. Why out there. were you in? No, I'm joking. <laughs> a lot of people said that. <laughs> yeah. When I left, a lot of people said, "Why on earth would you do such a thing?" But I loved it, Clay. I can genuinely say that it was such an amazing professional yep. and personal experience. Mm-hmm. I lived there for two years. Didn't know anything about Winnipeg really before I left. Didn't know anyone there. Uh, and yes, it's cold. They do not lie about that. My The first shoot uh, that we did was on the Red River. It was minus 33, the temperature, not the feels like. And I said, I've made it. <laughs> this is Manitoba. Bring it on. And it was great. Come at like, me, bro. Come I had at a, me. <laughs> like an eight minute walk from the bus stop to my apartment. And sometimes that walk would feel like two years. I, I, I Sometimes I felt like I wasn't me. going to make it. But Winnipeg's a place that toughens you up. <laughs> it, it really does. It makes you appreciate little things because it will be minus 30 for a lot of the winter. I would imagine the, the thinking behind it, like a lot of times to climb up markets, you got to start in, in, in yep. a smaller market totally. and then you move and you bounce around. A good friend of mine, Julie Stewart Banks, yes. is an excellent example of that mm-hmm. because she went to Winnipeg actually. Yes, that's then right. she went to Regina and then that helped her on her path into now being stateside actually. So you move out, you're there, it's minus 33 your first day. Mm-hmm. What people have to appreciate though, and I say this for a lot of people who come to move to Toronto for the first time, as harsh as the winters are, the summers are great. Oh and that's God. when I went to Winnipeg. Wonderful. It, it was the middle of August. Yep. And it's gorgeous, the it middle is. of August. It is. And people are so happy that they're <laughs> they're through the winter that they're dancing in the streets. Like, honestly, I, I've seen people, or I did see people when I lived there, when it was like zero degrees, one degree in like early spring, and people were on patios. So that gives you an idea of They're how they how celebrate. they are for a little bit of vitamin D. Winnipeg was the first time I ever bought a bucket of beer. Where oh, they, yes. Oddly enough, I don't know why it was the first time, but mm. it was like, you know, you get eight bottles in one bucket and they bring it out to you. Yeah. I was like, this is a place I could live, I tell you. And then yeah. I never went back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is common, yeah. but it shouldn't be. A lot of people would joke uh, with me that I worked for Winnipeg Tourism because I was just constantly <laughs> touting it. But it, it kind of, that suits my personality. Yeah. Like I'm the type of guy that will embrace anything that's in front of me, yeah. but I genuinely liked it. I wasn't just saying I liked it. I, I did. There's a ton of arts and culture there. The music scene there is fantastic. There was just, it it felt like a small town and there's like 800,000 people living there. So it's not a small town, but it feels like it. New podcast idea. (laughs) The Winnipeg Minute featuring Mike Valente. Just give me a call once a week. And the Winnipeg Minute's either going to be 15 seconds long (laughs) because there's not really anything going on. Or on the flip side, the Winnipeg Minute is going to be 48 minutes long right? because you just talk around everything for a really long time. Because you're really inclusive and want to bring everyone together, right. which it's kind of that's the that's my take on the people of Winnipeg is I could start a conversation and never leave it mm-hmm. because they could just chat about life for right. the whole time because people are about Winnipeg Minute starring yes. Mike Valente. It's coming your way. Oh, also paint by color or no paint by numbers. The <laughs> podcast by so many projects. So many projects. We're trying to expand our brain here. So I would imagine Manitoba Moose are pretty big in Winnipeg. Winnipeg Jets obviously are pretty big. Mm -hmm. Then you also have uh, CFL team, which is the the, Blue Bombers. The Blue Bombers. Thank you very much. They've, uh, They've struggled for a while, but the support is still there. What are some of the different areas you explored doing sports out there? Because I bet you it wasn't all hockey and football. No. Even though that's maybe as a Toronto kid, that's what I would think. Yeah. No, that's honestly one of the best parts of the job that I had out there was that it was a focus on community sports. So we would like I did a story on baton twirling one day and and that was one of my favorites, to be honest. And I'm not I'm not saying baton twirling is huge in Manitoba or anything, but obviously curling is big for them. I think there's more curlers. I'm not joking when I say this. There's more curlers in Manitoba than anywhere else in the world. Per capita or just yes. period? I don't know, to it, be honest. It might be yeah. period. Yeah, it might be period, yeah. And uh, they have a, a, a very popular minor league baseball team there called the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. They're part of the American Association. And uh, that was actually a big part of my job. We would host live broadcasts of these games. So I was the host. I was the producer of, of Gold Eyes Baseball. They won a championship while I was there, which was very exciting for the city. So yes, they're very tight-knit community, especially in sports. Uh, my favorite was always 
kind of discovering these athletes that probably have a good shot at the Olympics one day. Uh, track and field runner Victoria Tachinsky comes to mind. She just got a scholarship, uh, I believe, in Pennsylvania. And she has, I think, a legit shot of making the Olympics one day. So years from now, if she does make it, even if she doesn't, you know, um, it'll be a nice feeling to know that, hey, you know, I talked to her when she was fresh out of high school with like this huge future, you know. So, yeah, there were a lot of moments where it's like you just appreciate the sport and and the the time and energy uh, and certainly the skill level that uh, goes into it. Sports for that reason is interesting to me and, and and you can go down these paths with a lot of different areas and hobbies and interests in life but people who dedicate so much time and focus and training to something that we might not even think of like baton twirling yes right yes. and and it kind of sounds funny but if you gave me a baton I'd either just like punch it into the air or I drop it on the ground and that'd be it like right. you, you don't you yeah. don't put much behind it mm-hmm but I love the idea of people putting so much focus into an area uh, of their life. I watched this documentary once and basically what it did in a little over an hour was it highlighted in England all these little societies. Like there is the glass bottle collection society, wow. right? Where the, And these people knew their glass bottles and they had like ma- people built massive collections of glass bottles over that are over a century old. And they could tell you little bits and pieces of everything. They had the Roundabout Association, hmm. which did exactly what you thought. They marked, surveyed, and photographed every single uh, in, uh, English roundabout. Wow. And there's really something for anything. There's something <laughs> for everyone. But I kind of love that about the world. Yeah. Is that if you like something that I don't understand, it means I can un- I can learn something. If I like something and you don't like it, that's cool. Because I'm going to find a group over here. I went to my very first Comic-Con uh, oh, nice. last month when I was in Toronto. They, uh, One of the vendors invited me out. Unreal. Like blew my... That's where my, that's where my Bumblebee head came from. Oh, nice. But blew my mind <laughs> yeah. because I felt like I, I understood the group I was with. I was with a group of people that really love something and kind of were a little bit obsessive over it. Right. And so maybe comic books aren't my thing. But obsessing over things totally is. Right. We, we can appreciate that passion exactly. for whatever that passion is for. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's how I, again, connect with sports mm-hmm. because it's ev- like you just see the inner workings of everyone's passion kind of coming through and, and, and resulting in something. And then you get the success. Like there's no better sports movie than when uh, everyone lines up to the coach and, and want to give him their jersey so Rudy can play. He can dress for the, the last game. And Rudy, right? There's no better feeling than the underdog getting the chance. And in a weird way, that's what we're all rooting for. Mm-hmm. Even with our pat, it's like one day I am actually going to be Spider-Man. <laughs> like if I dress up every day yes. in a costume, like I will actually be him and be able to save someone or my baton twirling might stop a bank robbery <laughs> because that's I right. just have it in my backpack yeah. and yeah. I can whoa, yeah. huck it out. <laughs> one day in Winnipeg, it was like minus 30 degrees and a guy tried to rob a bank and the police officer said freeze and he did. Is that is that a Winnipeg joke? It's one I made up, but let's call it a Winnipeg <laughs> show. <laughs> That's what happens there in the climate. Dad jokes with Mike Valente. <laughs> That's right. That's my my passion project. That, that's your yeah. passion project. Yeah. So you move back to Toronto, promptly yes. get a job well, working with the yeah. Toronto Marlies. Yes, that's right. Which is uh, has a really dear place in my heart yes. because I work with them for mm-hmm. Uh, four, three years, four seasons, Fantastic. four yes. seasons, including the 2012 run to the cup, which That's right. yes. ended abruptly. Right. But still, yeah. that was the first time I ever got to go with a team to a championship game, mm-hmm. which was unreal. How's it been? Have you enjoyed life at the Rico Coliseum? I have loved it, Clay. It's been such a great experience. It's uh, such a gem, isn't it? It like is. an old barn. Oh my God. Right, but right in the heart of the, of the city. For sure. It's a beautiful place to watch a hockey game. It's very intimate. There's about 8,000 seats in this place. Uh, if you haven't been to a game at Rico, you got to go. It's, it's fantastic. And they're in the playoffs right now. But yeah, they've had a historic season. I mean, they they set the record for most road wins uh, by any AHL team, 29 wins. Uh, best team in the league, literally. Yeah. I'm not just saying that. So uh, I think it's uh, they had 54 wins total in the regular season. So 
they they've done pretty well, so we're very excited for the playoffs. But uh, it's been a great experience. I remember so the 2011-12 season where they went to the cup yes. was kind of a weird one where they uh, that was I think year two under Dallas Akins at the time, and and they kind of built as they went, and they got these you know prospects coming out of college at the very end names of jake gardner yes. you know people might recognize that name uh nazim kadri was on the team matt fratton was on the team corbinian holzer who's still playing with anaheim in the playoffs right now was on that team but then the next year when they had like i think their previous point total high was 12th act you might know this may have been the 12 13 season yeah, I think you're right. I, I yeah. think it was that yeah. year. Um, but see, it wasn't quite fair because up until January, the NHL was shut down. Right, the lockdown. And so we had so many. We had. I'm so yeah. proud. There's still my team. Once a Marley, always, always a Marley. A Marley. <laughs> um, the Marleys had like half the NHL contingent on the team. True. But this is exciting for a completely different reason. Like this is a dominant mostly young youthful yes marley squad that has a whole future ahead of them and isn't being just borrowed for the year or right. for half of a year yeah totally and and how many of them did the maple leafs call up this year right Kapanen started the season with the marleys he's up with the leafs uh, dermot's now up mm-hmm. with the leafs he was huge for the marleys uh, Goche went back and forth a few times this year. Freddie the Goat. I love the Justin Goat. Justin Hall obviously had a pretty good two games for the Leafs. Yep. He'll be there one day. That That's always kind of really received my appreciation with the AHL, right? Because they're constantly changing their lineup with call-ups to the National Hockey League, to the Major League team. And the fact that they have maintained this chemistry the entire season is really impressive. It puts, I think it really shows the true colors of the coach. Like, yeah, it really puts him to the test because you have a couple things that you're a couple expectations you're managing. First of all, you have a roster of 23 to 30 young men mm-hmm. who you're trying to keep happy and keep minutes and keep upbeat and, you know, keep them moving and progressing. But then you have like a system that might not be your system that's passed down that you're trying to work within. You have, as you said, constant roster changes that you're trying to deal with on a nightly basis. And then you have an AHL schedule, which on its own can kick your butt. Right. Like three and three is still a thing. That is still a thing. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I remember the worst three and three I was ever in. It was Friday night in Toronto. Saturday, Grand Rapids was the furthest we'd bus without flying oh wow but it was in winter time yeah so it was saturday in grand rapids for an afternoon game right generally what would happen is we'd bust through the night nap in the in the hotel and then go to the game but because the weather was so bad we ended up arriving at the arena at like right before two o'clock and there was a three o'clock game yeah then we had to get back on the bus for Sunday afternoon game back in Toronto. Like they, it's crazy, man, they put in their time. Yeah, for they sure. really do. So I, I have so much appreciation for the coaches there. And I think that's why it has a, like a really good spot in my heart. Totally. So this is going to be weird though, because we're recording this on a Wednesday. True. The playoffs start Saturday, this Saturday, but last Saturday, because oh. when the podcast goes okay. out, sorry, the Marlies will have played two games. Yes. It's Saturday, Sunday. Right. And let's just say the boys gave 110%. That's right. They went out there, but I got to, you know, I got to give, I got to give credit to the opposition. <laughs> they put the best foot forward. That's right. You uh, give them credit. Uh, the guys, the boys hit hard. They checked hard. They went deep. They, they put got, pucks they got deep. Pucks deep. Yeah. And, and they did all the right things in the right areas of the ice. Right. So, you know, whether it be. 2-0, or 0-2 yeah. in the series. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, there's a lot of great hockey ahead. For sure. How's very se- well said. Thank you very much. How does the series break down uh, home and away in a five-game series? So uh, Saturday, Sunday at home for the first two games. I believe it's Tuesday, Thursday the following week. And then they're back home for game five, if needed, on the Sunday. So this coming Sunday... You might be able to see your Toronto Marlies at home. Yes, for if game five. not for game five, if not, it's because they're rolling on to the next round. That's right. It's because they're just going to keep Mike's going to do the one thing I couldn't do, and he's going to take the team right to the championship. <laughs> 
Lift that Calder Cup, Mike. Because within the organization, you have Toronto FC. You Mm -hmm. have the Argos Mm -hmm. recently winning championships. You have Eastern Conference leaders, Toronto Raptors in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. You have the Maple Leafs. How do these people keep up? I know. Honestly. I feel bad for everyone at the 50 Bay Street offices because <laughs> everyone wants to do playoffs all at the same time, apparently. But this is a nice change because oh, it never used to be like oh, this, right? Goodness. So we're still, I feel like most Leaf fans or most Toronto sports fans really are still coming to grasps that this is now our reality, that most teams under MLSE actually do make the playoffs yeah. and have a legit shot of contending for their respective trophy. I feel bad for all the pundits, though. They were like, oh, they just, they, they're just they're just fine making their money in the regular season and they don't really want playoffs. I Because screw you. Like, you yeah. can't, you got nothing now. Yeah. You got to find a new excuse. Right, exactly. And if they only knew the amount of revenue that's generated in the playoff oh my, game, it's everyone, as, everyone it's wants to make the playoffs. It's crazy. Yes. Every, I have Raptor season seats. And I saw how much my ticket prices went up in order to go to the playoffs. And I'm happy to pay it. Right. Take my money. I want to watch this team yeah. go right to the end. Um, the year they went into the conference finals against Cleveland, mm. it cost twice as much for those playoff games that happened over six weeks than it did the whole 41 games that I got before. There you go. Yeah. And... It's a tough pill to swallow, but come on, we're all in it together. Totally. We're here for playoff basketball, hockey, soccer, football, fill in. As David Putty would say on Seinfeld, got to support the team. (laughs) Can we sign off with that? Sure. That's such a great sign off. Sounds good. Mike, I feel lighter. I feel refreshed. I have not looked at my phone in the last hour. Hasn't it been nice? I have collected like a new member into my community. We have come up with new podcast ideas. <laughs> like I learned about Winnipeg yeah. and their American association team yes. called the gold eyes, gold eyes. Yes. Uh, I was just about to say that you took the words right out of my mouth. Absolutely. The gold eyes. We talked about the blue bombers, mm-hmm. but I do like to end the podcast the same way. Every single time I've heard about this. Have you, I have listened to the show. Are you prepared? <laughs> Uh, I think so. You think so? You lead me into it. Okay. So it's important for me that everyone, (laughs) it's important for me that I learn this, but to take care of the little things in life, because I think if, if we are looking positively and taking care of ourselves in little ways, then we're able to be the best version of ourselves when we're in front of other people. So I like to tell people, please, please, please. Eat your vegetables. Thank you very much. Mike Valente. Thank you so much for having me, Clay. I appreciate (laughs) it. You're a good man. (laughs) 